what? I got a fever. You give me fever, fever in the morning. Okay, folks, welcome to episode 86 of the Dynasty Fever podcast. Neither of us canceled on each other. We're recording as scheduled on our Thursday night that we chose. Uh, the gang is back together again. The episode 86 is, of course, the... The New York Jets select Johnny Mitchell, tight end, Nebraska. So New York, New York becomes tight end, tight end. So yes, the famous uh, Jets draft bloopers uh, video, that was 1992 when they picked uh, Johnny Mitchell... Nebraska tight end, we're number uh, 86 for the Jets. And I think the Berman comment about tight end, tight end, I want to say that the Giants, I think, picked a tight end that year too uh, in 92. Would that be too early for Shockey? I'm kind of, I don't know. Yeah, that's too early for Shockey. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, uh, the uh, dulcet tones that you just heard uh, is, of course, uh, my co-host, Jesse Schneeman. Jesse, how you doing? Amazing. I mean, I, I God, well, bless. The urge to, God bless. <laughs> I'm fight, fighting the urge to scream and yell. That's what I do on my podcast. But uh, 86 is uh, a very notable Eagles tight end as well, Zach Ertz. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I believe, I'm almost certain, back in the day, it was Arkansas Fred Barnett, mm. who was like the only wide receiver we had for a decade after Mike Quick. Okay. Wow. Uh, if you're tuning in to, to Dynasty Fever, uh, you know, I don't know. I want to come up with a tagline for us at some point. I've been thinking about, like, the best Dynasty show your league mates don't know about. Or um, uh, <laughs> uh, something about thoughtful conversations. Because I think we have some pretty good discussions here. And I always have a lot more questions than I have answers. And I don't I, – I am very – especially with rookie season – very skeptical of people with um, really strong takes that they're certain about, you know, on a lot of these guys outside At of this point, especially. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, and so, you know, I'm not, I don't like when I, when I hear, when I tune into podcasts and I hear, here's five guys you need to buy right now to dominate. You I'm just like, bro, like, <laughs> but like, Hey, that's what sells. And maybe that's why I made yeah, but no that's that we're, we're not selling. We're not selling We're not anything. Selling. We're just here to help people, man. <laughs> we have a good time and, and help people. That's the only reason I do this is because it's fun. And just I, I feel like I've always felt like we can do it better than the other people because we give a shit, right? We give a shit about the right things. And tonight, uh, we're going to give a shit about rookies. It's rookie season. This is going to be our, our early rookie takes episode. Uh, Jesse and I have kind of intentionally not talked a lot uh, about any of these guys, really. I um, mean, we exchanged a little bit about uh, McConkie and Corley in, in, in our DMs, and we just maybe talked for like 14 seconds about Marshawn Lloyd before we got on. Uh, so we're going to we're gonna get some, some fresh reactions uh, to each other's opinions. Uh, we haven't podcasted for a while. Jesse took the month off of January, which is a great move. I thought I was going to have a couple episodes where maybe solo or a guest, but you know, but I just 
I got kind of busy and said, you know what, it's a good move. Let's take the month off. So we haven't talked about much of anything really uh, in, in a while, especially synchronously in, 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 in real time. Um, where are you at now uh, in your, in your rookie uh, process? What do you, how are you approaching things um, uh, this year? So I've got a list of 30 prospects right now that are on my radar. I have watched something on all of them, right? So to be perfectly honest, um, like the last 10 or so guys, it's going to be like maybe a 10-minute highlight package. Mm -hmm. So I know what they look like. I've read, you know, I've, I've looked at their numbers. I've kind of read up on them and seen what other people think and have done my compiling but I haven't dug in and taken the notes. Mm. My top 20 guys, um, I've, I've actually watched um, cut up all 22 and um, develop strong opinions. But then my process is I do that once. I get it. <clears throat> I get an opinion, you know, an impression of these guys, what I think of them. And then I'll go back and I'll take specific notes of what I like and what I don't like. And, um, then try to firm up a comp at that point as well. But that's, mm. that's like, um, I mean, I'm going to be doing that, but that's likely not going to be finished until after the combine. And then I'll take the combine numbers and sort of like the, the Kuipers and the Daniel Jeremiah's and the guys that are plugged into the NFL voices, listen to them about where guys are likely to go. And that's when I start forming opinions, mm. like real opinions, you know, of, of where I, I take guys, but I will say this, even though I'm early on in the process, I've identified a, a drop off. Like there's seven elite players for me right now. Yeah. I would say, you know, I'm in the streets a lot. And if, if people are wondering, my process is different from, from Jesse's, there's some overlap, but I think Jesse, um, uh, don't want to put words in your mouth. considers you consider yourself sort of, you're working on being a, an evaluator of talent. Right. Sure. You know, whereas yeah. I am sort of like I do watch like the cut up stuff on the on the nerds film room. I watch, you know, people, you know, hit the space bar and slow down the tape and show me things like I'll 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 do that, you know. Uh, but a lot of it is research, research, research. You know, I'm in NFL mock draft database where, you know, what does it look like where these guys are going? I'm listening to podcasts. I'm talking to people in discord, seeing what the vibes are. Um you know, I'm taking notes on, the, on things that are good and bad. I have this huge spreadsheet that I do that's going to have like a million pages in it and that sort of thing. And it's more of it's more of like a research based uh, uh, approach. Uh, and then like after I soak in all that research, I kind of come to my conclusions. And so, yeah, right now I'm, I've got guys in some buckets and some tiers, but uh, I agree like in the streets, like pretty much the, the thinking is there's there's a top seven, you know, kind of like we had a top six last year. Uh, and then after that, it's a little, it's a little more, more open, uh, um, overall, uh, the landscape of the, the 2024 class, uh, you know, uh, keeping in mind that there's, you know, that, that, that top seven, um, anything, anything stand out to you that might be, I don't know, uh, uh, something that uh, is like, oh, a surprise or, oh, I really need to look into that more or, oh, this is really different from the past couple classes, any sort of like bigger summaries of the 2024 class that besides the drop off at, at, at after the first seven. 
Sure. Yeah. And I, that's, that's validating to hear. I, I actually didn't realize that that was kind of a consensus. There was seven elite. So that was just kind of from what I I've been doing on my own. So that's, that's validating. Good to hear. Um, whereas in past years, I feel as though 10, 10, 110 through 202 was like last year was the wild west. There was no really defined players. There was there was nobody that there weren't even like my guys in that range. You know, yeah. everybody was really flat. And it, and I, I feel like everybody felt there was a huge drop off. Now there were supreme talents that you could jump up and get in there, like uh, you know, Sam Laporta. The 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 fantasy football tight end one was available in the early to mid second round. So like I'm not saying that the talent was flat, just our opinions of them were. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be different this year. I think there's, everybody's going to have a, my guy after, after seven, you know, there's just so many different types of receivers available. So many guys that do so many different things. It's just such a fun class. And I, I may be parroting some things that other people are saying, but, I, I mean, it really is five different running backs could be the RB1 at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there are no there are no Bijans or Jameer Gibbs, but there are guys that could, you know, that there are guys that could be A-chain. Not that, not that there's a, an A-chain, like, clone, anybody that does what he does, but there absolutely could be a Trey Benson – or quorum that's taken in the late first, early second that jumps up to be like a, a top 10, like a chain's a top 10 dynasty running back right now. Right. Maybe mm-hmm. even top yeah. five in some people's books. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 So like, I feel like one or more of these guys could do that, could be that good and could be like very under underrated. And then, yeah. If I they get that like kind of good. draft capital, if they get real life draft capital of end of the first early second, is that what you're talking about? Or they're going to get into there in a rookie draft because the because they're getting like day two draft capital in real life. Well, like A chain was what second round, third round, which, which real life third round. Yeah, real life. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. yeah, I'm saying a guy that could go in yeah, the third yeah. round, okay. and mm-hmm. we take um early second and yeah. could just um explode. That could happen. Um. Also, you could – there's absolutely a Kendra Miller factor in there, you know, like where the guy could just completely bust. Well, I mean, Miller, I, I, Miller was hurt a lot this year, you know. Like, I, yeah, I'm well, of, that was part of the knock against yeah, him. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of optimistic about Miller. Like, the bigger, the bigger disappointment to me was, was Tank Bigsby, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm less sure about him bouncing back, but. So are, are your first seven essentially the three quarterbacks, the three big receivers and, and Bowers? That's that's where you're at? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I don't think that – personally don't think that we need to spend a ton of time on these guys. I mean, all I really need to say is I, I have not found really any knocks on any of them uh, so far, and that I think that – and I think that they're all elite. Like, all seven of these guys I would have take, – I would take it over JSN last year. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Gibbs kind of fits in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, I'd have a hard time. Probably, I, you know, like K 
Caleb is is if Caleb came out last year, he'd have been the one hundred and one easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably have Drake and Jaden Daniels just pretty much in there, lumped in there with like Stroud and and Bryce and AR as 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 they were prospects. Jaden Jaden Daniels is probably a little better prospect than than AR was last year. Uh. <laughs> Like he had the actual success. That's college. one thing I was gonna I was gonna ask you about, like because, um. So let's so let's get into QBs then. Let's start with let's start with with because we're gonna sure. go positionally anyway. Right? Let's let's start let's start with QBs. I think with with QBs, what I'm looking at here is obviously we have the big three, right? I think obviously they're all probably gonna go at least what we think right now. They're all gonna go in the first what six real life picks or so, right? The Giants are six. Um, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure they're gonna go one two three. Yeah, well, that's very possible. Yeah, um, so you kind of have to with that draft capital and in, in a super flex league in, in, invest in them, and so I get that. I kind of think, all things considered, I might the way I have it right now is Caleb, Marvin, and Neighbors, and then the quarterback, the other two. Oh wow! Oh, you have Neighbors up there. the The way that I'm the way that I'm looking at it, I'm. First of all, having neighbors that close to Marvin is more about a year from now. Would not be surprised. Not that we're talking about QBs, but right. <laughs> but anyway, so I guess what getting to the to the point is that I think right now in what I'm looking at in startup mocks in Superflex is, uh, and I haven't really participated in one, just kind of looking at the draft boards and listening to people. People are double tapping less, and they're doing two out of the first three rounds of quarterbacks less. And trying to get that second QB in round four, five, six, right? So I'm kind of thinking about, well, what does that look like in a rookie draft? Would that mean, you know, that, you know, that that's if that's the way folks are going, as saying like, well, I can get my QB two later because there's been so much disappointment, and also the QBs, the QBs are flat after like the first eleven or twelve, you know. So maybe the rookie draft reflects that anyway, but. With with the the QBs and and the first three that we have, the Daniels AR comparison is 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 where I want to where I wanted to land with this. Um, AR to me, more upside in the talent and traits. Jaden Daniels already more proven production, but with Jaden Daniels, it's, it was it, I want I don't want to be skeptical. I don't want to use that as the word because you know. What I see, what people I trust, and what they see is very good, right? A year, uh, not a year ago, but a little more than a year ago, we were saying, oh, man, too bad those you know LSU receivers have to catch balls from Jaden Daniels. They might as well start Garrett Nussmeyer. And within a year, right, he became Heisman, right, top five NFL pick. And, you know, there are some folks who say, the scheme did some of the work. The receivers did some of the work. Not in an Addison Pickett way, but, you know, it's it's hard to pull those apart because everybody's entangled. And maybe all three guys took a step together, neighbors, Thomas and, and Daniels. But I am not as excited about Daniels or Drake May as I was about any of the three quarterbacks that came out last year. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So... Daniels is a much better passer than AR is currently. Um, 
So, all right, all of those things that you said about Daniels, by the way, before I get into the comparison uh, with AR, um, can could have been said about Joe Burrow. Fair. So, and it's a it's literally but, the same. But Joe Burrow's white, and he went one hundred and one. So, come on. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, I have no problem with a young man progressing in his talent, like. Yeah. learning yeah. on the job and getting better as as he does it and and it was obvious like it was obvious if you watch his tape this year he he got better yeah he did as the year went on like he was learning and getting better as the year went on i like i don't know him but that tells me that he may be a a, a jalen works jalen hurts level worker you know he may just be you know, that dedicated to his craft that he's studying and working hard and maybe it's just starting to click for him. Um, now onto the comparison with AR. Actually, I'd rather compare him to Lamar. I mean, I, I think he's not quite, he's not quite the rusher that Lamar or, or AR. He's probably more on, on the level of Hertz actually as a rusher. Um, not exactly the same kind of rusher. Probably definitely more athletic, um, and probably a better rusher, faster and shiftier, not as powerful. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and he, but he's more in that tier. Mm -hmm. Um, but as a passer, he's much more polished than Lamar was coming was coming out, and much much more polished than than Ar. I, I really like him as a passer. I, I, the, what's going to be just supremely important for him is that he goes to the right scheme. Rose goes to the right team with the right coaches and the right scheme. And if that's New England, I have no confidence in that. Okay. Right. So first of all, by the way, I, I have this column in my spreadsheet for, for comps. And some of them are ones that like I'll come up with. Um, and then some of them are ones that other people do because they're much better at it than I am. Uh, I forget who said it, but Lamar is in there for, for as one of the mm -hmm. comps for, for, for Daniels, as far as, as far as being maybe not quite the rusher that like say Anthony Richardson is, but definitely a, a more polished passer coming out. And then you get to the other point of no matter what we say about quarterbacks and, and we could write a dissertation about Caleb Williams as all the positives and negatives. And, and like, he's there's, 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 he's boom bust. Like there's bust potential there. You know, if he doesn't, if he, if he sure. gets, um, the thing with quarterbacks that I'm trying to get at is one, it's between the ears. And two, it's about fit. It's about scheme and offensive line and 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 coaching and and that sort of thing, which we saw, you know, CJ Stroud an example of. Not knocking Stroud's talent; he's a super passer. He can deliver the football on tight windows like a motherfucker. But you know, I think there are certain teams that if he went to, he wouldn't have anywhere near the season that he that he did this year. Sure, if, it clicked right off the bat, like Herbert style. There's probably yeah. a, like the the two that I that I think. I can remember that just right off the bat clicked. Like Caleb, if if he if he gets a bad offensive line, which is really a lot of the bad stuff that he put on tape is directly connected to the bad offensive line at USC. But you know, right. so if he gets if he gets a bad offensive line or in some way in the development doesn't learn to kind of be like, listen, you know, kind of rein in a little bit, like you know, uh, the, the way the way Matt Waldman put it was great, or was it was it Matt Waldman? Somebody else, great throw. Don't fucking ever do it again. 
right? Like, <laughs> like take take what's given to you more. Like, have less. Uh, DiRienzo, Jason DiRienzo, Lejeune's partner, called it arm ego, right? Like, he's not going to get away with this shit in the pros, right? So, but if so, so if we're going to call him, we're going to call him Willie Mays Hayes, right? Exactly, right? So, like, if we can, if if he can get in that situation, he's got tons of of ceiling. Doesn't that floor is low, right? Um, probably lower than Drake Mays floor. Probably lower than Drake Mays floor. I think, yeah. You know, it's funny to me. You know who else you're also describing in this class? I don't know who. Spencer Rattler. Kind of, just yeah. on a, but just on a more extreme yeah. level. Yeah. Like you know, he the, the the worry about what's between the ears is really really high. Like that guy thinks he can throw ball through a brick wall. You know, and 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 a receiver will catch it afterwards. He absolutely. Well, your buddy it. Joe Milton can. Throw, how, how did somebody put it? Can throw the ball through the barn if he could ever hit it. Yeah, if he could ever hit it, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, but Rattler's. Rattler's probably got the best arm in this class. It's it's freaking rocket. And he's on a redemption part of his story arc, which is interesting, right? Like he's gone from conceited wild child to like, uh, um, I learned I'm a mature leader now, but I still don't think, you know, talent wise, but, but anyway, so the, and and I think the two teams that are sitting up there in those top six waiting to destroy our dreams are the Patriots and Giants, whether it's Marvin Harrison, whether it's Jaden Daniels, right? Like I don't want anybody. Straight like, down, tackle. <laughs> I'm okay with the Giants. Um, I mean, it would it, well, it would be ugly, but I, like I'm okay with the coaching staff. I'll say that, like Kafka and Dayball, Dave, Dave, I, I trust. But yeah, yeah, it'd be ugly. Like, what's gonna ha- like what's gonna happen with Daniel Jones and blah blah blah. You might have both of them there at the same time. Yeah, really wouldn't want to see that. But I know what I what I think is would happen is it would it wouldn't fall to that that somebody would trade up just two or three if if New England or or the Commandos didn't want to take them. Did you say Commandos? Yes, that's what I. I I love it. God bless. That's great. God bless. (laughs) That's great. Command. Do you do you remember that movie Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger? With Arnold, yeah, that's uh, uh, also Alyssa Milano was in that movie. Yeah, yeah, some very early Alyssa Milano. Yeah, she was my, funny. she was my teenage heartthrob. Her and uh, Kelly Bundy. You know, I was just I was just a couple years below you, so it's more of like my tween age, you know, crush. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching uh, Who's the Boss? Yeah, she was. We're exactly the same age, so I always felt like we were destined. And she, she like. Dated baseball players, and that was my dream. You know, you know like, who's around your age who I absolutely adore for all sorts of reasons? Natasha Leone. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, huh? I can't stand her. Okay. I can't well. stand her. It's you know what it is? It's the voice. Although I do feel bad. Oh, I love for her. it. I love it's it. the voice is like you're not Groucho, you're not a Marx brother, okay? Stop. Okay. It annoys I, the shit out of I me. I could see that. It it can get sticky. I I understand that. Yeah. If she was Harpo, I'd be fine because then I wouldn't have to hear the voice. <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually have a lot of empathy for her. I feel bad for her because she she apparently endured a lot um, dating Fred Armisen as long as she did. Apparently, he's a bit of a sociopath and um, an emotional abuser is what I I didn't know any of that. 
I just yeah. know her, you know, her story recovering from addiction and things like that. And just, you know, yeah. I'm sorry, Fred. You're a wonderful guy if you're listening. And I know you are. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Portland, dude. Yeah, but she <laughs> she did overcome addiction and like resurrected her career. So a lot of props for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I want your thoughts on Knicks and J.J. McCarthy, because here's my take on the QB class. After those three. Nobody should be starting day one. Knicks may have to because he's already 24, right? So what are you going to – you're not going to Jordan love him, right? But I don't want him starting day one. The I've seen Knicks and McCarthy mocked as early as like 12 to like Denver or like, you know, like 13 or whatever to the Raiders, right? I've also seen the, you know, the idea that these are the quarterbacks – that someone's going to trade up into the late first to grab to get that extra, you know, the the fifth year option. Where do Knicks and McCarthy have to go, draft capital wise or team wise, whatever, where you're saying I'm going to draft McCarthy and Knicks one eleven and one twelve, and not say the mid second to late second where they're going in mocks now because nobody knows who's drafted them. Oh yeah, you you absolutely have to prove it to me. Yeah, have to, absolutely has to go in the first round. I, I prefer middle of the first round, but late first round is fine. But yeah, there's I, there's no chance I'm taking either of those guys. If and and I don't really believe that that's going to happen right now. If it happens, fine. I'm not saying it's not going to. It's just in my heart, I, I I'm feeling a Ritter, uh, Matt, whatever his name was, that was supposed to be the QB one of that class. Corral, Matt Corral, Matt yeah. Corral. Like I'm feeling that vibe out of these guys, and also I think they're they're better than that, especially JJ. It's just for me, it's going to be about where are they picked and where's the fit, you know. But also, can we can we throw a little Phoenix in there? That's what kinda, she's I don't want to say I'm out on on Phoenix. <laughs> I mean, I love Phoenix. I want more I Phoenix, Phoenix too in my life. Phoenix yes, is, always more Phoenix. Phoenix is life. powerful. Um, yes, no, nah, but you He's know, a lefty Phoenix. Age medicals, uh, <laughs> and then questions beyond the deep ball. Like honestly, I, he's not even the best Michael P. quarterback in the draft. Who is Michael Pratt from Tulane? Oh, okay. Michael Pratt from I, Tulane to me has a lower ceiling than probably six or seven quarterbacks in, in in this particular draft. But I would not be surprised if three years from now, Knicks. Penix, Rattler have all burned out of the league. Maybe yeah. McCarthy and Pratt's still McCarthy there too. as like a, as like a high end backup that we have as dynasty quarterback thirty two every year. Yeah, none of these guys, none of these guys impress me. Um, Rattler is the only one that I could see actually like that that I think actually has the the talent to be a worth worth drafting at this point like like he's the only one i could see jumping up and be like a top 12 dynasty quarterback if if it all comes together like he he settles down plays within the system and uses his arm strength and his athleticism um his off structure within the system uh and and allows himself to be coached the guy could be a a hell of a quarterback i think jj could be that I think I, I think Rattler with the right brain in his head could be way better than Baker Mayfield. Way better. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
And that's um, like the comp that I hear for him a lot. My yeah. my worry with him though is that that doesn't happen often. Like a, a guy makes a total turnaround of, of who he is as a person, mm-hmm. really. Um, so like my worry is that his ceiling is um Taylor Heineke slash Sam Howell. Like someone that will go out there and sling it, but probably is gonna throw you intercepts. He's gonna look good at times. Maybe Gardner, you know, like a if Gardner had a strong arm kind of thing, you know, that's, but like my worry is that's his ceiling, Mm -hmm. you know, and a lot has to happen to get there. Mm -hmm. Cause those guys, those guys were better all around quarterbacks than he, than he is coming out. So no, so I've mentioned JJ twice now, positively, no love for, for JJ. A lot of people are saying he, he are mocking him to the Rams at 19 sits behind Stafford for a year or so. Gets the McVeigh magic. He uh-huh. because the thing is, like Knicks, this is where Knicks does have some positives. NFL teams are gonna love the it factor, the leadership, the grit, that sort of stuff, the intangibles. Intangibles matter. Um, I know people think it's vibesy, but that shit matters, and it especially matters for quarterbacks. Like Knicks, as much as he doesn't throw balls over the middle and or more than 10 yards much, like killed the interviews at the senior bowl. I think J.J. McCarthy is an interview guy as well. And I also think that he's got enough there with the talent, the mobility, the arm talent to to be like a purdy where where I've come to realize that it's it's yes and. It is purdy's better than I thought, but also the system and the weapons are helping him. I'm actually – it's funny you said that yes and. I'm calling this tier – of Bo Nix, McCarthy, I'm putting. I'm. I'm always going to put Phoenix in. Yeah. So well, you Phoenix love Phoenix. In. I mean, you've been mentioning Phoenix, Phoenix for a long in. time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm calling this whole tier. Um, if then. Yeah. Sure. And that's really if, all, that's, if that's, that's quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. 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 If if what you say happens, you know, if the Rams take one of these guys and, and decides to groom him, especially especially Mark McCarthy, I think that is a good fit. If that happens, then I'm interested. Mm-hmm. All right. As of now, not really. No, they're not. These guys aren't in my plans. Where do you, where, what position you want to go to next? Let's, yeah, let's do wide receiver. Okay. So, I mean, let's, let's devote the meat of the show to what this really. Right. So, the, the, really the 20, is. so here, I'm going to make a statement and then you, you tell me if it, if it's true. The 2024 wide receiver class is deep though slightly old and it's bigger than the 2023 class as far as like size there's more six four guys in there but after the first six or seven it's kind of who the fuck knows i would say after the first three okay and so you've got your big thing. You seem the, to like Adunze more than I do. But go, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please, please. Say whatever you want to say. Yeah. I want to address the old part. Okay. So, not to influence your process. Well, I do want to influence your process, but not to, to say what you're doing is wrong. But I am not paying any attention to age anymore. These guys are being offered millions of dollars to stay in college. So, if they're old, that means they're rich. And they're polished. It doesn't 
doesn't necessarily and we've seen even before the nil we've seen plenty of seniors coming out recently um kind of some of these guys sort out of nowhere for me smaller schools that kind of thing come out and just be successful right away i mean puka right um that that's an extreme example so like age i, I don't care you know I, I think it's actually broken a lot of these analytics models like because they're like the breakout age is still a thing, but mm -hmm. I like the, the early declare or the early, um, yeah. yeah, early declare for the draft. It, it doesn't really matter anymore. Like, uh, yeah. Peter, Peter Howard used to talk about how, you know, important that was and that like guys staying in your senior years, for my model and da 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 da, I, it's it, it it kind of broke that whole thing at this point. So I I happen to agree with you. I happen to agree with you to an extent. Like for like I understand that what NIL is doing and that's transforming things. And I think one thing that we got caught up in last year with size, maybe if not age, was that the data hadn't caught up to like the littles doing well. Um, and so with NIL and the COVID stuff that messed with people's eligibility and all that. Yeah, I care. I care less for sure. A lot I think less. there are. I think there. Are, mm, I don't know about a lot. It's still wide receiver. For me, for me, it's not tight end or you know. But anyway, so uh, okay, good. Well, that's fair for you, and maybe not for me. I think for me, it's like I'm trying to look for specific situations where it makes me doubt things. For example, Xavier okay. Leggett. Mm. When you're 25 going up against 19-year-olds or whatever, right, mm. and you didn't break out to your fifth year until and only because Juice Wells was was injured, I'm a little more skeptical, say, than Malik Washington, who suffered through four years of the Northwestern offense before transferring to Virginia, and now he's everybody's favorite sleeper. You know what I mean? And I think he's like I, I'm more okay with his age than I am with Leggett's age. I may have Leggett ranked higher, but as far as that particular slice of the picture, you know, I'm more skeptical of Leggett's, you know, being old than I am of say, you know, Malik Washington. Malik Washington. Yeah. I'm putting him on my list right now. I don't I don't I have a, um, he's at the Shrine Bowl. Uh, he played four years at Northwestern and then in Virginia and broke out uh, in, at Virginia. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, kind of um, kind of like a, he's he's slot, but he's got like a stocky build, physical, tough, compact. Um, uh, Matt Waldman underrated uh, at the moment. Big play upside, good hands, pretty good route runner, good adjustments will be a starter within his first contract. Interesting. So okay. People like him a lot. Yeah. Uh, okay. But this, as an Sounds example. Sounds a little like Malachi Corley. Right. Yeah. So. Um, although, well, that's why I want to have a nice discussion on him when we get to Because I like a good size discussion on him. So, so um, let's talk about you saying only the top. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Yeah. So just to continue what i was saying like there are yeah for me there are three yeah. elite absolute elite wide receivers in this class and then a shitload of um really really interesting guys for different reasons could be very very good um, are you are your three marvin neighbors and adunze or do you have somebody else oh yeah okay absolutely i have it for me it's mhj in his own it's like calvin we'll call him the calvin williams tier calvin williams Calvin, Calvin Johnson's Johnson. here. Sorry, I, I always do that. 
Calvin Williams was the wide receiver that played on the other side of Arkansas, Fred Barnett, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he MHJ is in the Calvin Johnson tier. And then just below that, Neighbors and Adunze are kind of neck and neck. I have Adunze a little bit higher, actually, because I, I I mean, they both do. They both have just such elite traits that are just different from each other. They're different wide receivers that I can both see being just, you know, star wide receiver ones in the league. Um, As far as you saying that you would take MHJ and Neighbors over Jake and Daniels, I'm not there. Like, I I want the quarterbacks over Neighbors. But with MHJ, I keep asking myself, if Bijan was the one-on-one last year and there were three really good quarterbacks, what and MHJ is this interdimensional prospect as interdimensional as a, as a wide receiver. Yeah. You know, like somebody that I that that I can expect to be on my team three to five years longer than the running back. Um, why would I why 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 am I I don't have him at 101? Especially when Caleb is not a slam dunk. Like I don't, I ha- I don't see him as like Trevor level prospect. He scares me a little. Whereas Trevor didn't scare me until he got into the NFL. Then he scared me. Yeah. Um. I think I don't. First of all, I don't. I, I wouldn't hate somebody taking Harrison one hundred one. I'm probably not going to do it. But I just did a um a mock that we're gonna uh, that. Uh, Dave Heilman is is writing up. It was like a bunch of us, and we did like five rounds, and and he took wow. he took Marvin, you know, one hundred and one, even though it, it was a super flex. So so I I get it. I think for for me, it's probably because I don't know that he's that he's the Bijan of the wide receivers. I think I've got neighbors much closer to him than I, than I, I, do than see I had it that Gibbs. Way. Uh, yeah, I I don't know if I have I I don't know if I have him as the one hundred and one. Like, but it's definitely 102, at least. Let me ask you this. At lowest. So I heard early on that some people were saying, well, maybe Neighbors is is the wide receiver one in this class, more polished, more refined. Marvin Harrison might have a a higher ceiling, but Neighbors is more pro-ready, right? I saw some folks push back on that, too. So... What do you um, – because I'm going to ask you another question about Neighbors. So what what do you f- feel about that question about Neighbors? No, I don't I don't see it that way at all. I think, we're, yeah. I, I think they're all, all three of them are, are ready to rock. Yeah. I think, um, you know, one of the things that uh, actually Dallas pointed out was that Harrison, you know, when faced with, with press, you know, is, is better. But, you know, it's like – I get that. I get every year we can always fill in like in half these wide receivers in the spreadsheet struggles with press coverage. How much are they getting these days? Everybody's yeah, playing. No- everybody's playing zone, and if you're fast enough, they're giving you cushion and not pressing you. So, right, and you can be moved around and sent in motion. And when you, and all three of these guys, I do think have really good release packages. Neighbors, in particular. You can't even get your hands on that guy. Which leads me to my next question about neighbors, and that is the way the NFL is played today. Obviously, 
I'm not saying Marvin Harrison Jr. is like he's he's the he's the old ex alpha that isn't used anymore. I'm not saying that. I think that that's maybe more for like Keon Coleman, Xavier Leggett, you know, to a to a certain degree, Devontae Walker, who's but who's but yeah, well, a little higher on Mitchell, but but yeah, I I, I feel you on that one, right? Um, but with the way the NFL is played, is neighbors a better bet to be dynasty wide receiver one? this time next year than Marvin Harrison or a Dunze are right now. No, I, I don't see that. Um, neighbors. Neighbors is not like, yes, he has absolute electric electricity all over him. Like he's the best burst out of any wide receiver, but Marvin Harrison's game is much more polished. He's a better root runner. And wow. Neighbors, those hands on neighbors are sick too, though. Like he makes in, insane catches. So, like, I, man, I, I don't know. It's like saying which of the Stooges you like better. I like the fourth one personally. Well, we'll get into <laughs> that a little later. So, okay, then. So, when I said the the first six or seven, and you said the first three, for me, that next tier of, in some order. Uh, Troy Franklin, Xavier Worthy, Brian Thomas, and I'm going to say Lad McConkie. That's a chunk for me, and I still feel confident about those four. And then it's All the right, Wild me... West. Then it's the Wild West for me after those seven. You said those a little fast. Sure. Uh, Franklin, Worthy, okay. Brian Thomas, Lad McConkie. Okay. I have 80. I have Adonai Mitchell, I believe. Mm-hmm. I have Adonai right right below yeah. Lad at the moment, yeah. but as he's technically 12th in my Superflex rankings, A.D. Mitchell, but that's only because like, I just, what am I, I we haven't decided which running backs we like yet, but. But that I is, would, a, that is a tier for me at the moment. So yeah. let's talk about my favorite in that group. Are you, sure, are you good sure. with that? Yeah. yeah and I, I know who your favorite is. Oh, I thought you were going to say Lad. I thought you going to say run no. LMC. No, I love Lad McConkey. That he's he's my um he's he gets my vote to be like the tank big uh, um, tank Dell of this like not not that he's the same um type of player not the same player but kind kind of like same stature you know what I mean um but no I I love Brian Thomas man that guy he out of all of these guys I could see him developing into a wide receiver one. So, so yeah, he's yeah. I mean, he's got the size, he's got the speed. Mostly what we see is him just torching guys over the top at what is he? What six four? Six, six point probably, two five for now. Yeah, so he'll come in at what six two six two and a half and one ninety. <laughs> yeah. But like he looks tall and lean, like he yeah. looks bigger than the other guys, and he just torches motherfuckers. Right down the field, and that's what we see most of him, right? But you do also see um, uh, bubble screens, uh, little little pop passes, and stuff around the line of scrimmage, which he's very good with. He's he's a he's got great yak ability, really good vision. Like if he was in a different package, he's he's got the mental mindset to play running back, right? Mm. Um, the problem with him is the 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 mid-range it's just there's there's really no 
examples of there's very few examples of it that's kind of the the worry i have because like the way i'm looking at him is he has enough of that combination of both size athleticism and smarts and polish where i'm i'm i feel safe with him relative to a keon coleman a leggett right you know i'm comfortable saying guys i'm skeptical i'm confident in him but very little in the short intermediate areas of the field, kind of. So, and, and that's kind of st- where the NFL's being played these days. And so I kind of worry about that. Okay, here are the two schools of thought, thought on this. And we, we discussed this quite a bit um, last week on War Games, which is back, by the way. Woo! Um, <laughs> so, you know, I... My school of thought is just because he wasn't asked to do it doesn't mean he can't, right? And when he was asked to do it, he was pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. He was he he can gain separation. Is he Devontae Smith? No. He's not that type of player. I mean, he's who among us stiff. are. Right, right. He's a little stiff in the hips. Um, he's not going to break a guy down just purely on route running. But – the physical attributes like that he does have like he absolutely could run all of the routes that Puka Nakua runs and better and he can get over the top easier like the problem the problem DBs are going to have with him is that like they're going to have to give him cushion so it's going to make him just automatically have there's it's coverage is going to be softer right uh in the inter- intermediate area. So I, I, I think he can do it. And I think he can, he, there's going to be a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Here's what I, th- I'm sorry. And the other school of thought is he wasn't asked to do it in college because they don't, didn't think he could do it. Right. And mm-hmm. you see Malik neighbors making in the same offense, making these crazy catches all over the field and running every route in the root tree. Why isn't Brian Thomas doing it is because he can't. Right. That's the other school of thought. And that is in my brain. And I'm not just saying that's now like I'm not poo-pooing it. Um, but my my what I've what I've landed on with Brian Thomas is right away. You have a player that can get over the top, an extremely useful uh, tool in the NFL. Something every team is looking for is a big player that can run fast. Right. He can also contribute a lot around the line of scrimmage. Like I said, he's really good on bubble screens, um, handoffs, that kind of thing. He's really good with that. And um, he's good in a contested catch situation. He's actually got really good hands. There were some concentration drops. He's got really good hands. And there are examples of him highballing the uh, uh, high pointing the ball in the end zone and being a contested catch guy in the end zone. Right. So if you combine um, the deep threat with, um, softer coverage underneath because of it uh, touches around the line of scrimmage and then a red zone threat with that. You have a very useful player while he learns to polish his intermediate game. Fair. Very fair. My position is that there's a huge narrative there, right? I I get that. I mean, that's, we're trying to figure out what is the path to success for these guys. And then figuring out that path on February 8th, it's a lot of narrative, right? Like it's a lot yeah, of sure. um I 
the position that I have is that he's my sixth and that Franklin and Worthy have higher ceilings. And that's why I have them ahead of him. What do you think of that position? So I actually think that Franklin and Worthy are both more both both better players right now. They're both more well-rounded. Both of them can separate in the intermediate. Um, and both of them just have like possibly better, probably better speed. Troy Franklin might be the fastest wide receiver in this class. He's going to be fast. And Worthy's going to test fast too. Xavier Worthy might be the fastest wide receiver in this class. Like those are the two burners. Um, I have questions about Franklin's toughness. Um, and also there's drops. Um, the hands aren't amazing. You know, I'd give them the a knocks. B, yeah. B plus. Yeah. Um, that's what people, I saw anyway. I think the people who the the Franklin defenders, let's say, uh, will would say that those two things improved in twenty twenty three and you gotta watch the right tape mm-hmm. or whatever. But the, the I mean I didn't watch twenty two I didn't watch twenty two tape. I watched 23 tapes so far. Okay, so, so there you and go. I, right. And you don't and you still don't like it. Okay, interesting. Yeah. But and it's not that I don't like I love Troy Franklin. I I, mm. I probably I have him probably next. Like he's my probably my fifth right now. Uh, the speed is just game changing. And he's pretty polished. Like he he's got uh good lateral agility. He can sink his hips, he can definitely gain separation. Um the, the drops are gonna be a little frustrating though. But, I mean, Mike Evans and Amari Cooper have made careers out of right. having duck hands. So, I borrowed that. When, when, pe- when people talk about like drops and drops don't matter and like, all this discourse about it, like I, you know, I get it in the sense of like statistically why drops aren't mattering. I think drops matter as far as like QB confidence and whether you're going to be. matter if you're. It matter if you're Jalen like Rager and yeah. you can't get on the field because of it. Because, you know? like, the next thing I was going to say is the leaders in drops this year, the two top two were Puka and Tyreek. So, yeah. Right on. Well, yeah, they're also getting targeted the most. Targets. Right. Yeah. That's why. So that's yeah. that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, like, Nelson Aguilar could have been a great wide receiver if he had decent hands. Who's the Who's the one in the – in that viral Philly clip, if he caught it, I wish he could catch it like Jeffrey or something. Alshon Jeffrey, or uh, yeah, that was Alshon Jeffries. Proving Didn't somebody like Philly catch a baby falling from a burning building. What was what was going on there? I forget. Yeah, someone caught a baby uh, falling from a burning burning building, and it was like right after Alshon had. I think it was a fourth down drop pass that he dropped um, to to cost us a playoff game, basically. Um, yeah, I forget the exact quote, but it was something about if that was Alshon, that baby be dead. <laughs> oh, I love Philly. I love <laughs> Philly. God damn. Um, so then it's the Wild West. We've talked a little bit about being skeptical of guys like Coleman and Leggett. We're sort of, you know, on the fence-ish, I guess, about uh, uh, with A.D. Mitchell at this point. Um, They're different guys for me, though. So... Leggett, I'm not worried about the testing. He's he's gonna like possibly be like DK level tester. He's, yeah, he's yeah, he's a big, strong, fast man. 
Um, the problem I have with him is the skill. I don't know if the skill level is there or not. He's might maybe too stiff. The the only thing the only thing that keeps Leggett in the conversation at all for me is the fact that DK Metcalf exists in the NFL. Right? Sure. He's the only player that I that I and but he's not even as big as and strong. Like there is only one DK. It's kind of like trying to compare someone to Debo. Like you can't. There's only one Debo. So and to be fair to his one year wonder in his fifth year, were some extenuating circumstances like depth chart. There was a coaching change. Um, he he came into to college as a 190 pound quarterback. Right, like these are all things I learned from the the Debbie Royale guys when they were doing a, a a show. So like, I'll even I'll even say my big my knock on him before about the age and all that. There's even some extenuating circumstances to that. Yeah. I just don't love tape. Yeah, I just don't know if he translates. He did okay uh, at the Senior Bowl. I don't know that he did anything that really like stuck out as far as improving his his stock. Yeah. And so, I, yeah. I would love to have heard about him dominating some guys, especially with like the the secondary talent at the Senior Bowl was supposed to be subpar. So I really wanted to hear about some of these wide receivers dominating. Yeah, and coming in about an inch and a half to two inches shorter than we thought you were when your claim to right. fame is size. Right. Not good. Right. Yeah. My yeah, he's he's shriveling to me. Uh, now Keon Coleman's a different story altogether. I really like the skill level. I want to see how he tests. So if you're Drake London, if you're Drake London, T Higgins without speed uh, or Pickens, that's the type of player I'm seeing him as like really good contested catch um, outside X, hold it down, beat press, press coverage all day, hold down the boundary type of player. But if you don't have speed, you're not, you can't play that position and be useful for fantasy. You can play a position in the NFL if he if he like you know let's say he runs like a four five five or a four six like I'm afraid he might. You can play the the position in the NFL and you might actually be a starter, um, but you might also be David Bell. Which okay, I'm fascinated by this because the way I picture my take on Keon and why I'm skeptical is almost the inverse, in that. I'm okay. I think his functional athleticism will be fine and and perhaps even impressive. Although his straight line speed with the 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 forty that's what time, I'm worried about. I think is his has been has been questioned. Not necessarily the the forty either. It's just does he look like a fast wide receiver? Like does he look like he can you know um, beat a, a wide receiver deep? Or My even knock just... on him is the route running, is the separation mm-hmm. and twitch, is the Actually, contested catch is interesting because I think in his final season, he's, he like he had like a thirty percent success on contested catches. So he really? turned 50-50 balls into thirty seventy balls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so like okay, but the, I mean, I want to see all those situations now. Yeah, you know what I mean because it could be subjective. I think as, he's as got whether he had a chance or not. I think he's got better ball skills. Then Quentin Johnson, they're not the same player, but I, that's the vibes that I have this year. That's my big. That's my big dude who I'm doubting because he's 
not good, not polished enough. Gotcha. Okay. I think the polish is actually there um, to the point where, like, you know, he can get some NFL coaching and be fine. Um, no, he's not twitchy. He's not, um, you know, he's he's not – I'm trying to think about, like, a, just a pure separator. Devontae Smith. I keep using him. And I'll use him as my example. He's not a pure separator. That's not the type of player he is. But I do like the ball skills. Um, and the hands are really good. I just think he's a good he, – he's just a good football player. Um, knows how to beat soft spots in zone. Um, I think he could be very useful if he's fast enough. So, um, yeah, the, the, the testing is going to be huge for me. Like, I, I, I actually – that's kind of – I see David Bell in him. I just want – if he – if he can be athletic enough and look good in the passing drills in the combine and that kind of stuff, um, I, then he can move up to like the T Higgins, Drake, Drake London kind of Pickens level, but we'll see. This is really, happen. I'm really glad we had this conversation because the waters that I'm swimming in is like the, the key on doubter. Oh, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. But- but, but all they're, right, so they're, doubt, they're doubters for the different reasons that you are. And, and like, I, I was just talking to somebody today who said he's a third round rookie pick. Oof. So, um, the reason for the reason I haven't like really buried him yet, like I said, I want to see the testing, but on, on war games, Chad has him, him as his fourth receiver. He's all about him, loves him, thinks he's going to be a star. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Um, so let's talk that about – doesn't Mid- get really into the, to, into the technical shit. So if yeah. you ask him why, he'll say because he's good. He's a good yeah, fucking yeah. wide receiver, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the end, that's, that's, in the end that's what a lot of us are doing, right? Like, I mean, he's mm-hmm. a he's – a... so let's talk about Mr. Malachi Corley, right? So okay. – the case for him, obviously, the the toughness, the build, the yak, the breaking tackles, um, you know, uh, concentration, pretty good hands, nothing really to, to knock there. Um, you know, we had some questions in, in the senior bowl. We wanted to see him. How is he as a route runner, particularly how is he a, a – a route runner past five or 10 yards because of the really low a dot. And it's not so much the low a dot is a bad thing. And then like, then you're getting the manufactured touch and the yak, like it works for certain guys, but if that's like the only thing you can do, then you're just, your path to success is just narrower. Right. He showed a little bit of that at the senior bowl. We heard, you know, and, and you, you pointed that out in, yeah. in, in our, in our DMS. Um, I don't know that he showed, a whole lot of it. And I still have my questions about the fact that if you'll allow me to rhyme for a little bit, he's getting all that rack and yak in the Mac, Mm. you know, you're miss, you're forcing those missed tackles against no offense. I love Maction Tuesdays and Wednesday nights in November, but some of those guys going to be selling insurance, you know, You you don't watch those games. Actually, when I when I bet when I used to bet on college football, I watched it a lot more, and it's really exciting. Oh, of course, it's almost okay. it's almost got this feel of like like high school football, 
but like it's it's weird it's just i i just i i like i enjoyed watching it like i i enjoyed when I, yeah. when I bet boise state and hawaii were my favorite teams because they always played late and i was always chasing it yeah. <laughs> so so where are you at with Corley now? I'm a little split on him still. I see both sides of the story. He's the type of guy where I, I know, I, and maybe this is a good point to have the conversation about landing spot. You know, my whole shtick this this offseason, my mantra is that landing spot matters more than it used to. Um, you, I think, rightly say that we're, we're bad at, at, pre- at predicting what will happen in those situations. And I guess my response to that is, we have to kind of at least try, especially after like the first couple tiers of guys, because we've seen landing spot scheme coaching fit make or break fantasy uh, careers, you know, you know, for, for guys like, you know, Tank Dell and, and Puka, you know, who people had their doubts about. Um, and he's a guy, he's a guy, here's a guy, Corley in the right team. I think could, yeah, I'm I'm on I'm on board even with my doubts about the Mac, on the wrong team, I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm maybe a little more skeptical. Uh, so right now he is my wide receiver, twelve. So okay, so that's the trick, isn't it? Finding how much to weight the landing spot because we know that we know a lot less than the actual team they're on, right? The coaches know a lot better than we do. And um, deciphering training camp speak is really tough, man. There's a lot of landmines there. Would you say, though? Um, Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That hindsight, a tank Dell separator who left the senior bowl early because he got a good enough reports, got day two capital and was in a Shanahan offense, we should have seen that coming. Uh, Puka, high targets per route run, um, may not be a good athlete, but high football IQ with really strong hands in a McVay offense with a quarterback like Stafford, who is, he'll throw it. Like, he'll throw trust balls. Mm-hmm. We should have seen that coming. Yeah, but there was also the the, the question about, what number one, is Stafford even going to play True. last offseason? Yeah. No, and number two, right. does he have anything left? He did yeah. not look like this year's Matthew Stafford the year before. And he, he, still, had, and he still had Cooper Cup to deal with, so yeah. yeah. He looked great this year. He he was vintage Matthew Stafford this year. He was. He was very good, yeah. Just, just keep I, in mind that I, the I, other guy is still there. The other I, guy could still show his head at any point. Which brings me to the conversation we had where I predicted Matt Stafford had, I think, two years at most left. You said three to five. And it's starting to look like you might be right. Like, I was right in 2022. It looked bad. And now you might look right. But I'm sorry. Go ahead with Corley and and landing spot and all that. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's the trick, though, is is figuring out how much to weight the landing spot. You know, uh, uh, I've made mistakes in the past with Trey Sermon weighting it too much. You know, one cut runner going to a Shanahan offense, got the toughness. You know, they took him day two, what, third round? Mm-hmm. You know, they traded up to do it. Uh, this is it. You know, San Fran, this, let's go. Right? Wheels up. I traded mm-hmm. up to get him in the high second round everywhere I could. We know how that worked out. 
AJ Brown going to a Tennessee offense that would rather run. Tannehill's the quarterback. How good's this guy even going to be? Uh, you know, how fast is he? How good is he? Blah blah blah. You know, I, I took I took him basically out of my consideration. Like I, I I moved him to the end of the second round. So, you know, like uh, Quentin Johnston. <laughs> My my evaluate my evaluation uh, I can sum up last year is that I had him as a piece of shit as a football player. Yeah, we 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 did not like him. We did not like him. No, but he, in a perfect situation, dodged that landmine, had him at the second at the end of the second round. I remember listening to value a, the landing yeah. spot. I remember listening to a, a a dynasty podcast with with two guys whose opinions I, I very much respect, and they were almost like condescendingly humorously saying like yeah he's got flaws but you've got a a first round real life first round wide receiver built like a condor attached to justin herbert what are you doing and here we are and and here we are in the sense that everybody now is even lower on him than me he's got i'm gonna find two random items on my desk all right this is a pen holder. This is a notebook. Mm-hmm. This is what this is what he's got as hands. This is what he walks around with as hands every day. It's trying to catch like I wish people could see this. <laughs> but seriously, like I mean some of the drops that he had this year that were automatic touchdowns, which is disgusting. You know, that's not gonna get better. And it's and it's not gonna fly with Jim Harbaugh. No. No, he'll make it through the year. So where are you at with Corley? So with Corley, yes, landing spot is going to matter with him because I'm going to – for him to even, like, be on my second-round radar at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you you have to be confident that the coach that takes him is going to use him right. Um, Yeah, he's bigger Rondell Moore. You know, he's five ten instead of five seven. Yeah. Uh, okay, I, that doesn't excite me that much. Can we think of a player? I mean, it took Corderell Patterson eight years to be relevant. You know, can we think of a player in that mold that was actually good? Uh, you know, I'm bad at this kind of stuff. Percy Harvin mold as far as like build. Yeah, wasn't, and wasn't Steve Smith kind of bowling bally? But skill, but a skill set as well. Steve Smith could yeah. could catch a ball downfield. Yeah. Like yeah. he was a downfield receiver. Yeah. I, Percy Harvin is the only player with this skill set that was actually successful in the NFL that I can think of. But that play style of his, it's a very similar play style to Corley. If you don't remember him, um, barely led him to get hurt. On a constant basis, and in yes, his career, that I remember. So you, so you don't see, you don't see a Debo ceiling in Malachi Corley. I said earlier that I, I truly believe you can't compare players to Debo. It's not you don't see other players out there doing it. You, you're more likely to get Lavisca Chanel. Another thing concerning about Corley is his 2022 including and especially the number of rushing carries he got. 
was better than his 2023. So, you know, and like you want to see if you're a senior in a Mac, that that doesn't happen. And in a Western Kentucky offense, it's kind of built for you to like, you know, do that kind of stuff. And if you're that far ahead of the competition, you, you, you're, I mean, I know it's a counting stat, but you, you went from like, I think 1200 yards to like 900 something yards from his junior to senior year. Like, I am so de- split and torn and undecided about Malachi. Yeah, if he's hanging around at the in, in somewhere in the third round, I, I would probably take a flyer on him. That, that's kind of how I see him. So I'm just looking at mock draft database just to kind of see. I know it aggregates a lot. Right now, they have him projected uh, as a real life third round pick. Um. They, uh, I would ranked, surprise the shit out of me. Ranked it. I, I pay a little uh, more attention to him. 90, Ninety-four overall. They have him ranked. With wow, man, so with the depth of wide receiver in this class, that would surprise the shit out of me. But Jaden Reed going as high as he did last year surprised the shit out of me too. You said he was a practice squad player. Yeah. Let me tell I you don't pull receipts, but I do think it's funny. I do think it's funny. Let me yeah. tell you something about Jaden Reed. I was not wrong. Okay. They just committed to using him in a way that he would be successful. Right? He's not a lead receiver. He's not a downfield player. They use him around the line of scrimmage a lot, and that's why. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Dis- I don't disagree. I don't. I don't think you now. Can really- if if Malachi Corley goes to a team that commits to using him as much as they use Jaden Reed and in the way that they use Jaden Reed, I think he'd be very successful and could be this year's Jaden. Actually. I don't disagree with the usage thing, but I don't. But I did disagree that of his talent was practice squad level. <laughs> I just didn't think like he's just so raw. I just didn't think that they would make a point to carve out that role for him. Although yeah. they did take him in the second round, though, right? Second or so third, I yeah, guess, day two, yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess I should have realized that if they're gonna. If the Packers are going to commit those that kind of resource to a young wide receiver, they're probably going to try to make it work. And to be fair, you know, we didn't know how Jordan Love was going to develop either. And sure. I think Jordan Love not being Aaron Rodgers and not being a little emperor on the offense kind of allowed things to organically develop well yeah. instead of like, Aaron Rodgers being cranky and not wanting motion in his offense and like throwing to the two guys that he trusts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Anybody else lower in the list of receivers that is kind of intriguing to you as far as you want to see more? He's a sleeper. You doubt him. I mean, you know, I'm, you know, me, I have my spreadsheet. I can, you know, but, um, you know, I, um, I, can, be yeah. a weirdo, I can be a weirdo and talk about uh, Jaquan Baker and, uh, no, Javon Baker and Jaquan Burton. And uh, Jamari Thrash, I, I can talk about them if you want, but <laughs> uh, we can talk about Jamari Thrash. It's with a B, right? I have him as Jamari. I'm not Jamari. Okay, Jamari Thrash, and we can talk about him and Brendan Rice later if you want. Not right now. Okay, but I do have some. I have watched both of those guys. Okay. Um, no, let's talk about a guy, two guys that are probably next to each other. One that I'm high on, and one that I'm low. On. All right, so high on Roman Wilson. Oh, yeah. Low on Devontae Walker. Oh, yeah. Agree on both. So 
Roman Wilson just looks like a sleeper. I mean, although he's getting a lot of buzz these days. He's he's getting a uh, day two buzz now. After yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, like, I would not be flabbergasted if he went, like, to the Chiefs at 32.